Hey everybody and welcome to an edition of Coach's Corner. I have an awesome talk today with a former Navy SEAL, Mark Devine. Tell you more about him in a second. But first, I just want to express my gratitude to all of you. I'm recording this the day after Thanksgiving and actually I was a little sad so it was perfect to come down and and record this because doing this podcast fills me with so much joy. And the reason I was sad is because my family just left. My sister and brother-in-law and their three kids, my three nephews, were here with me for Thanksgiving. And it was just so much fun. And I loved having my house just full of life and kids and laughter and even the crying. And I just have so much gratitude to be able to spend time with the people that I love. And even though I don't know all of you personally, I do love you and I'm so grateful for you. I feel your energy every time I record. I hear from so many of you. I so appreciate the amazing ratings and reviews that you leave for the show. And those of you who reach out to me on Instagram or the show notes, I just so, so appreciate you. And I hope those of you who celebrate Thanksgiving here in the States had a beautiful Thanksgiving. So let me tell you a bit about Mark Devine, who is my thought leader that we're focusing on Coach's Corner today. As I said, he is a Navy SEAL, and most people think mental toughness when they imagine a Navy SEAL. What they don't expect is the thoughtful, yoga-innovating, joking and laughing professor of leadership named Mark Devine. At 26, he graduated as Honor Man, the number one ranked trainee of all SEALs, Mark served for nine years total on active duty and 11 as a reserve SEAL, retiring as a commander in 2001. His leadership of teams was so effective, the government tasked him with creating a nationwide mentoring program for SEAL trainees. Not only did it increase the quality of SEAL candidates, it reduced the attrition rate by up to 5%. That's incredible. What's made Mark's program so effective was his focus on more than just physical fitness. He'd seen the laughter conquer fatigue and bond teams at their breaking point. Intuition saved his men during the hell of war and special ops missions. He knew he could form a fitness company that prepared civilians for the physical and mental emotional demands of Navy SEAL-like lifestyles. So he started SEAL Fit. Through Mark's teaching, entrepreneurial endeavors, and travel to foreign countries, he noticed the power of mental toughness, emotional resilience, intuitive leadership, and a healthy spirit for anyone wanting breakthrough performance. They weren't solely for combat or restricted to the business world or one culture. He watched them transform the lives and people from every background, nation, and belief system. So then he wrote and published his first book, Unbeatable Mind, in 2011, and launched its in-study program. And you can learn more about Mark and all his programs at unbeatablemind.com. And I'll put that in the show notes. And make sure to listen to this entire interview because Mark takes us through an incredible breathwork exercise that will immediately calm your nervous system and bring you more focus and clarity. Before we dive in, I just want to tell you a little bit about what made my Thanksgiving a whole lot easier because I hosted it. And I'm definitely not a domestic goddess, not my zone of genius. And I don't really love running errands and dealing with lines at stores. And so Thrive Market saved me this Thanksgiving. They are one of my favorite online stores. They sell all the top organic and healthy products at 25 to 50% off, shipped straight to your door. Do a few price comparisons to Whole Foods, and you can easily find the price comparisons on their site, and you'll see how much the actual savings is. And like I said, they have the top premium healthy and organic products that I usually get from a grocery store. 
But unlike your typical organic and non-GMO products that are marked up at premium prices, Thrive Market sells the same prices at wholesale prices. Okay, so how do they do that? Well, they cut out the middleman and they work directly with the brands and they pass all the savings on to their members. And even better for everyone who signs up, Thrive Market donates a membership to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher. So together, we're all making healthy living affordable for everyone. This is a company I'm honored to support. I love their mission. I love that they make healthy eating accessible to us all. And makes it super easy to shop, not just at Thanksgiving, but any time. All their products are tagged by over 90 different values. So in one click, you can sort the entire catalog by categories like non-GMO, organic, vegan, gluten-free, paleo, sustainably farmed, etc. So here's how you take advantage of the special offer that Thrive Market is offering our over and on with a community. Go to thrivemarket.com slash over it. And you get $20 off your first three orders of $49 or more plus free shipping. The average order value is $60. So spending $49 should be easy and you can get all your groceries there. So again, go to thrivemarket.com slash over it, get $20 off your first three orders of $49 or more plus free shipping. Make your life easier everyone and get the kind of quality products that you love and that will feed your body and soul because I truly believe that when we take care of ourselves physically it's so much easier to take care of ourselves emotionally and mentally as well and because Thrive Market offers you these amazing products at wholesale prices you also take care of yourself financially. So speaking of taking care of ourselves let's dive into my amazing talk with Mark Devine. Mark, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on. And I know for all the men listening, they love it when I bring strong male voices to the show. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Christy. So we were kind of talking before the show about where to start because there's so much that we can talk about. I had a great time being on your podcast as well, and we went in lots of different directions, so we probably will in this show as well. But I was thinking about how you could really serve... uh, the over and on with the community. And a common theme that comes up when people call in for coaching is, I know what I quote unquote should do, but I'm just not doing it, or I'm procrastinating, or I'm scared. Bottom line, people aren't taking action. And I know that's one thing you mm-hmm. you know a lot about. I mean, you have a background being a Navy SEAL, and as a Navy SEAL, you couldn't like just sit around and wait till you felt ready <laughs> before you did something. You mm-hmm. had to no. you had to oh, spring into action. So, what advice do you have for people that feel a little stuck and have trouble? Like they know it, but they aren't doing it. Yeah, I mean that's that's a really good question, and there's a reason that people you know really get stuck in that because it's hard, right? It's hard work. Let me. St- Start by saying my sense is that people um, get stuck from taking action because they haven't uh, done a really good job of articulating the, the target that they're shooting at, right? to use Navy SEAL terminology. Yeah, they, they haven't really defined the target very well. And so it's either a vague target or the target is just way too big or they just have too many targets, right? too many. And so they get kind of paralyzed with task you know, saturation and um, poor situational awareness, those types of things. So, you know, one of the things that I like to teach 
people in my Unveil Mind program is to get radically focused on the right target at the right time for the right reasons and, and simplify everything so you just drive toward that target. And then you're, you understand what you know the, the, the long-term, the medium-term, and then the now-term tasks are. And then you just focus on that task that literally is just what, what's the one thing I got to do today to move me closer to it. And that way, you know, you really just kind of like march toward that target relentlessly uh, because it really are small little steps you're taking every day. And they're, they seem easy compared to the overwhelming, you know, totality of the mission, so to speak. You know, I know I said a lot there, uh, but generally speaking, it's really assessing, you know, what you're what you're shooting for, mm-hmm. so to speak, and then chunking it down. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is because they're like, well, I don't know what I'm shooting for. I just want to be happier. I just want to make money or I just want to be in a relationship. And I love what you said about breaking it down to what's the one thing I can do today. What's the, just the next step that I can take. Yeah. And what you just alluded to is kind of the other part of the puzzle. So what, what I just described is a process that I'll, I'll call front sight focus. You know, in the seals, we, we did a lot of shooting practice and when you shoot with a weapon, you know, let's let's say just a pistol. A lot of your listeners probably have shot a pistol before, and they know from basic training with a pistol that you you know you level the pistol and you look down the sight, right, the the sight picture, and you have a front post at the front of the gun barrel, and then you have the you know the um, essentially what you're looking for at the back of the gun barrel are the two posts, and so you line those up with the target. And then, but when you pull the trigger, you're not looking at the target, right? So you line up the front post with the target, but then when you pull the trigger, you look at the front sight, right? So you're really, you're narrowing your focus really to just a few inches. Isn't that interesting? So that's the concept here is that you know what the target is out there, but then you narrow your focus to that front sight and that front sight is what am I going to do today? Now, the other piece of that, which you're alluding to is that target has got to be associated with a clear picture of who you are, where you're going, and why you're doing why you're going there, right? And I call that one's personal ethos. So yeah, you want to be happier, and people want to be financially successful or wealthy, and everyone should be wealthy, and you know everyone has the capacity even to be wealthy if they can you know do these things well. So. Everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to have great relationships. Everyone wants to be financially success, successful. But until they decide how it is that they, as a unique human being, are meant to fulfill that and how they can serve boldly with their unique skills and their unique you know, attributes as a human being, then um, the, everything else is just kind of like shooting in the dark you know, at random targets because just being happy – and just being healthy, uh, or uh, healthy is probably not one good, you know, good one to put in this category. But being happy and successful financially, having great relationships, those are kind of um, nice. They're nice vague things, right? They're nice vague things. The question is, how specifically are you going to be serving people so that you're the happiest you can be? Because you know, like it, for me. Uh, serving as a CPA, um, when, you know, early in my life did not make me happy, but I was very effective at it. Right. And I could have been financially successful at it, but it wasn't making me happy. And so until I really understood that I was meant to be a warrior and then the SEAL teams presented themselves as an opportunity for, for you know, for me to familiar, 
uh, fulfill my warrior ethos in a very powerful way, then, then I could be happy, you know, fulfilling that archetype or that ethos of mine. And that is all precedes the target, right? So all that, once I identified that, then I could say, oh, okay, so now my target is to become a Navy SEAL. Great. Well, that's a long, that's a pretty big target. So how do I chunk that down? Right. I got to chunk that down first. I got to get the physical, my physical structure ready so I can just dominate their uh, entry requirements. Right. And then I've got to get my mental mind really clear. So I win that battle in my mind before I ever show up for Navy SEAL training. And so those became my preliminary targets. And then I chunk those down to things that I could do every day. What can I do today to improve my physical uh, being, what can I do today to improve my mental being and, and to improve my chances of success at succeeding at that larger target? And all I had to do that was wake up and go do that stuff. But it was all tied to the larger target, which was tied to my vision slash ethos of becoming a Navy SEAL. What made you want to become a Navy SEAL? Well, you know, that's a really interesting thing. So I was cruising along kind of um, in my book, The Way of the SEAL, I talk about in the context of dance, dancing to someone else's drumbeat, right? So it was really my, I grew up in a, um, a family business family from upstate New York. The Divine Brothers business has been around for over 100 years. And so a lot of the dialogue and kind of the, the unspoken but subtle assumptions were, our, were that I was going to come back and run the family business someday. So it was all business, right? My parents, you know, really kind of poo-pooed any other profession. And this is so common, as you know, because you're, you're the emotional coach, <laughs> right? So everyone has kind of the story they grow up with. And, and it, it's, you know, it's a rare person who is self-identifies in a really different way than their, you know, their parents' story for them, even though it happens, especially more and more nowadays. And I think it's beautiful. But um, I, I wasn't that kind of person. I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm going to follow that path because it seems to be self-ordained. And so I went to uh, Colgate University, got a BA in economics, and I went to NYU, got an MBA in finance, and I became a certified public accountant. And the by the grace of God, I stumbled into a martial arts studio and I found a my mentor, my first mentor, who was a Zen master, essentially teaching as a karate instructor. He was a 10th degree black belt who founded Sado Karate in New York. It's the national world headquarters, actually. He's got many, many thousands of students around the world now. And I began to meditate when I was 21 years old. I had moved to New York City. I was working for Coopers and Lyran, going to NYU at night, getting my MBA. Wow. And to keep my physical training up, because I was an athlete in college and actually for my life, but I was an athlete. I, was, I, I, wouldn't, I wasn't satisfied to see my physical uh, health decline like I saw everyone else in the corporate world. So I decided to train my butt off every day. And part of that was to get into this martial art. And then I began to meditate because that was a big focus of the training. We meditated before and after every training session. And then Thursday nights for an hour and a small group of us would get together with Nakamura and we'd do this, you know, 45 minutes of Zen and have a little Zen talk. It was really amazing, actually. So that process, you know, I could go on and on. So I don't want to bore everybody, but that process really cracked me wide open. And yeah. now... And nobody knew anything about neuroplasticity and there was no re very little, if any, research around meditation at the time. And so here I was with a 21-year-old fertile mind that was meditating and really diving into it. And I would do 20, extra, 20 minutes every morning when I woke up and then I would do the work at the, at the dojo and those long sessions on Thursdays. And we went, we'd go to the Zen Mountain Monastery twice a year. 
and meditate for the entire weekend. And I was just getting into it, so to speak. And I noticed that my brain, my mind was changing. And I, I started to have these kind of these insights and these visions. And I started to feel a real gap between um, my sense of well-being in what I was doing, what my chosen profession was, which at the time was, you know, to be a CPA slash business guy, then go back and run the family business and what I was really meant to be. And so, you know, in other words, I was connecting to what you might call my higher self or my soul self. And it was basically saying, Mark, you're heading down the wrong road. Right. You know? Right. But had I not sat down and quieted my mind and learned to meditate, I never would have heard that. And we wouldn't even be having this conversation because I'd probably be back running the family business. Well, know? and it's so interesting too, because I don't think for too many Navy SEALs, their path to it was meditation. Definitely <laughs> yeah. not. I, I honestly agree with you. I mean, maybe today, probably a lot because I've been teaching SEAL yes. candidates since 2007, but back then, nobody. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I don't... I, I don't recall meeting yeah. anybody who had meditated their way into the seals. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is this is an interesting thing I want to explore with you because I think that a lot of people think motivation comes from push, push, push. Like I'll take action if I just push myself hard enough. And they might stereotype you as someone who was a Navy SEAL that, well, you just have that discipline. You just know how to push yourself. I mean, if you're going to be a freaking Navy SEAL, you got to know how to like do some pretty hard stuff. But I'm curious, have you found that pushing is the best kind of motivation? No, I, I really don't think so. I mean, you need to push through obstacles, but truly um, there's a, a, an equal balance between effort and surrender. And, you know, that's represented in kind of the yin-yang uh, symbol, right? Um, yin being the push, pushing and overcoming a challenge. And the young being taking time to recover and reflect, reflect and learn and also prepare to win the next challenge in your mind and in your being. And I believe that, um, you know, back to this idea of me getting through SEAL training, I, you know, when I went through SEAL training in 1990, we had 185 students in my class. 19 of us made it. And I was the honor man of my class. Whoa. It was 100 percent. In my opinion, 100 percent the meditation, because that was where I built the win. I, you know, I, I had the win secured in my mind and I'll use the term whole mind in my whole being. It, it felt the win before I ever went to seal training. Cause I, I spent so much time meditating and visualizing on that, that, on getting through seal training and dominating it and winning it. That by the time I showed up, I had this sense that I had been there before and every day because I was, you know, the process of Zen taught me great mental control I was able to really um, parse through all the bullshit that was coming at me and understand what, you know, what do I need to do right now to focus on moving, you know, moving forward and um, succeeding and, and staying positively motivated and not succumbing to fear or, um, you know, thoughts of failure or quitting, which is a lot, what happened to a lot of my teammates. And so um, the meditation was just extraordinarily useful from a perform performance standpoint, but to be to be fair, it was also um, the type of person that it caused me to become, and that's a constant becoming, and I'm still becoming that type of person. So that's the surrender, the, the surrender to being present, the surrender to being, allowing your true, authentic nature to come out, which makes you more 
honest and honorable and trustworthy with your teammates. And people don't really know how to put a word to it often, but they're just like, yeah, I really trust that guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I trust him to be there for me to watch my back. You know, he looks me in the eye and, you know, he's, he's quiet and unassuming and he's humble, Mm -hmm. those types of things. He or she, you know, as I'm talking, it could be any one of everyone really on this call is probably working hard toward those qualities, right? That's what I mean by you cultivate the character through a combination of pushing mentally overcoming challenges and then surrendering to us, you know, to the silence and to your authenticity and just kind of checking in and connecting with that. And that's why daily practice of meditation is so critical and yes, so important. I agree. Um, one thing, it, it, so I have a membership community called Inner Circle and every month we focus on a quality to embody. Um, and, and the intention of my membership community is to move people from awareness to integration. And when we focus, nice. yeah, That's a term I use. yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the things, one of the qualities that we focused on one, one month was trust and self-trust. If we want other people to trust us, if we want people to give us the kind of feedback that you just shared about, I just feel at ease with you. You know, you look me in the eye. We have to feel safe inside ourselves, And a big part of that is what you're saying is to have a daily practice, have a meditation practice where we greet ourselves and where we meet ourselves. It's, it's amazing to me when I go speak, especially to more like a corporate crowd, I'll Trojan horse some of the, I'll Trojan horse meditation mm-hmm. and call it mindfulness. And, yeah. uh, I'll talk about, you know, wanting to cure anxiety and we do that by being in the present moment. And I'll ask everybody to, you know, put both feet flat on the floor and close their eyes. And it always is amazing to me how fidgety people get and how uncomfortable Mm -hmm. people are just with themselves. We're more comfortable being distracted and busy than just taking some time to get quiet and go inside. But from my point of view, until we can go and greet those places inside ourselves with a daily practice and sit with ourselves and be with ourselves through any discomfort, then it's very hard to trust others or, or be trustworthy to others. So I love that you're, you're talking about this because I think that that self-trust is how we become a trustworthy person and how we trust others. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's really well said. And the self-trust, like you said, comes from self-awareness. And self-awareness, you can develop some level of self-awareness through the outer world if you take the time to reflect on the patterns of uh, thought, uh, which are tied to emotionality. So, you know, patterns, you have long wave patterns, which are like things that repeat in your life time and time again to both bring, you know, success and happiness or misery and total failure. Right. Yeah. So we want to reflect upon this in particular to um, be be happier, more successful. We want to reflect upon those patterns of emotion and thoughts that lead to words and actions that that are repetitive over long periods of time that lead to those low moments. And oftentimes when we reflect, we'll see, you know, there's just one or two things that we do repetitive over and over. And we get to chase, trace those and then change that behavior. Yeah. <laughs> like, fast, like now. And then guess what? All of a sudden you release this enormous amount of energy and, um, you know, and you just take a huge leap forward. Mm. But, you know, so some people can develop the ability to look at those patterns through reflection while they're in action. 
but it, it's you know generally my experience is these are extraordinarily bright people and to be fair they're probably they probably have a practice that they don't even know about that you and I would call a inner practice you know what i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just they never they didn't they didn't get taught it like my, like i did by like a zen teacher so because it requires you to literally to to create what the buddhists call a simultaneous mind and the simultaneous mind is that a mind that can be self-reflective of itself can watch itself in action and, that, and that's a skill that needs to be developed and it's best developed through a meditative or like you said a mindfulness practice where you're, you begin to watch your own mind in action. And then when you, as you do that, you begin to see these patterns rise and fall. And you realize that there's these repetitive patterns that are, you know, grooved in from a very young age that, you know, tend to trip us up and hold us back. Hey, everybody. Sorry to interrupt. You'll be back to my interview with Mark in just a moment. Want to just let you know something about one of our sponsors, True Car, because there's something a lot of people don't know that TrueCar can also help you buy a used car. In fact, there are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from a TrueCar certified dealer nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers discounts off the list price for used cars and have a better buying experience through the TrueCar certified dealer network. TrueCar, via the TrueCar pricing curve, will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is so you can feel confident. Once you register, you'll see real price on actual inventory. This is competitive pricing offered to you only by a true car certified dealer for an actual vehicle on their lot. Over 3 million cars have been sold to true car users by the true car certified dealer network. And there are over 13,000 true car certified dealers nationwide. When you're ready to buy new or used, visit true car to enjoy a more confident buying experience. So for people that are listening that are thinking, yeah, 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 this all sounds good, but how do I do this? How do I start a meditation practice? How do I do this? What would be just some some beginner tips or even people that are meditating, but they're kind of just sitting there and they're not having, they're like, wow, I want the kind of meditation he's having. I'm not having Mm -hmm. those kind of meditations. Yeah. Well, it is important to, for people to realize that there's a, there's a distinct process to meditation and meditative, you know, meditation in the West has really been collapsed or conflated with either like TM, which is just mantra, mantra japa, which is repeating a mantra. And that's very, very, very effective by the way. And that is a concentration practice. And then the other one is mindfulness from mindful, mindfulness based stress reduction, John Kabat-Zen. And that is, um, a simple awareness practice, which is more expansive. Um, now, here's the challenge that a lot of people that I train, they come to me and say, Mark, you know, I've been doing mindfulness for years or I've been doing TM for years and I just don't feel like I'm making progress. And I say, well, that's true because you're doing just one thing. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of those practices is to get you into deeper self-awareness so that then you identify these patterns and then you meditate on those patterns until you identify the source and then you then you add another technique to essentially using visualization and directed meditation or concentration to change the energy of that source to transmute that to something positive and useful in your life. And so as you go through, and so the idea is to work on these, what the yogis would call samskaras to, you know, to flatten out all these waves to get control of your mind so that then you can go even deeper into, um, you know, 
what, what we call samadhi, which is like the real precious type of uh, meditation that's so deep that you're, you know, subject and object disappear and you feel like you're just in infinite bliss, like you touch the void. Mm. And, that, and you know, that's what you know, like the, the mystics and Christian mystics explain or talk about when, you know, in terms of their meditative practice. So I, you can see how just, uh, you know, the way I'm talking about it, how, how complex it can be. And you can't conflate it to just one thing. So um, when I teach it, I kind of say, listen, you know, what we, what we have to do as Westerners to begin to meditate is to just to get um, start a basic concentration practice to learn to concentrate our mind so that then we can begin to connect to our witnessing self and, be, and create that simultaneous mind. Right? So there, that's a two-step process, but I teach it through a practice I call box breathing, which also, as you are well aware, Christine, has enormous benefits for stress management and, and um, you know, physiological well-being, physiological balance, because we're doing that deep diaphragmatic nostril breathing. But I teach it first. I, I get them to understand the physical and the fueling benefits of doing that. And then the, the fact that it's a concentration practice. And we're concentrating on just one thing and breathing in that box pattern. And I was started teaching box breathing in 2007. I'm really pleased to see a lot of coaches and, and teachers picking up on this. But it's nothing new. It's been taught for hundreds and thousands of years probably, you know, through different traditions. Is it something that – does it take a long time or is it something you could take our listeners through right now? No, it's very simple. Okay. Um, the practice is not simple. The power is in doing it every day okay. for a minimum of five minutes okay. up to 20 minutes. So um, a beginning practice, and this is really yeah, 80, using the 80-20 rule, 80% of the benefits are going to come from just doing this. And if you do this practice for a minimum of three months, even you'll see extreme benefits in just 30 days. But do it a minimum for three months and then you know come back for part two is what I would say. Uh, you'll you'll have enormous benefits in in your clarity of your thinking, your focusing ability, and your peace of mind, as well as the physiological benefits of stress management. So it's simply you know you're going to be breathing through your nostrils. Nostrils are your organ for breathing. The breathing through your nostrils um, slows the breath down. Of course, it warms it or cools it if need be. You know, releases nitrous oxide, which helps deliver the oxygen to your cells, and it also allows you to draw the oxygen into where you don't bypass your diaphragm. So many people breathe through their mouth or, you know, quick breathe, and they're just using their chest muscles. They're not using their diaphragm. The diaphragm has to be activated to trigger that or to, to touch the vagus nerve, which triggers the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest, counteracting the, the fight or flight, which is constantly triggered when you breathe through your mouth or you breathe too fast or whatever. And so anyways, we do, we're going to breathe through our nostrils. That was like a quick 30-second, you know, <laughs> lesson on why. And um, we're going to breathe and we're going to slow our breathing down to a five count. And we're going to make sure that we use our diaphragm. And the reason way we do that is to allow our belly to expand on the inhale and to contract on the exhale. And that's going to, you know, kind of force the diaphragm to get into the game. Um, and we're going to fill our lungs up and exhale our lungs completely to those five counts. And then we're going to add a hold um, at the inhale. And so at the top of the inhale, we hold, but we hold with a lifting feeling and we don't clamp down our gladius valve and create back pressure because that's going to, you know, that's going to cause a little bit of stress on our heart. So we, you know, create this nice sensation of, Hey, I'm almost as if I'm continuing to inhale, but I'm not. 
And then on the exhale hold, we press our belly in and we just contract that and we hold in a real experience, a real sense of spaciousness on that exhale hold. So most people can do a five count, inhale, hold, exhale, hold, which is a 20 count breath cycle, which means we're breathing three times per minute. Mm. Christine, you know, the average human breathes 17 to 20 times per minute. Wow. Which is just, and every breathing pattern has a corresponding emotional pattern and the breathing pattern, you know, if you're breathing 17 to 20 times per minute, then emotionally you're going to be all over the place, right? Right. And you're essentially expressing anxiety through your breath. Mm. And so when we slow down to three, to, so when we practice this, let me say this one more and then we'll do it. When we practice box breathing with a five count, three breaths per minute, and we do a minimum of five minutes and I do 20 minutes a day in the morning. And then what happens is during the day, the overtime, you need to practice it for three months or more. Over time, it becomes a, um, a steady state for you to have this nice, slow, diaphragmatic five count in, five count out breath. And you're not holding your breath during the day necessarily unless you want to practice some more, but you'll be down to that five count in, five count out. So that's a 10 count breath. Now you're doing six breaths per minute. There's enormous psychological and health benefits mm -hmm. from slowing your breathing down and breathing through your nose. Mm. So the box breathing is a way for us to practice that so that we get all those physical and psychological benefits. But back you know, to our conversation earlier, it's also a concentration practice and a way for us to connect to that witnessing mind mm. so that we can begin the process of meditation because we jump right to mantra japra or you know, mindfulness-based stress reduction type meditation and then... Um, you're not going to be able to concentrate and you're not right. going to get the benefits. And I've heard from thousands of people, Hey, I've been, tr I've tried meditation and it just doesn't work for me. I can't control my mind and my thoughts. It's jumping all over the place. Yes. So. All the more reason to meditate. It's like when people say to me, I don't do yoga cause I'm not flexible. <laughs> all, right, exactly. all the more reason to do it. <laughs> yeah. But, but you wouldn't start yoga with a handstand by no. teaching handstands, no, right? You no. start yoga with really simple poses and, you know, yes. modifications and bolsters. And this is, so box breathing is your modification for meditation so that you can get into it and do it effectively. Beautiful. So Love here's it. the practice. Everybody will exhale with me on one, three, two, one, exhale. And then you're going to inhale to a count of five. Inhale, two, three, four, five. Now hold your breath with that lifting feeling. Two, three, four, five. Now exhale, two, three, four, five. Your belly's pressed in. Hold your breath. Two, three, four, five. Release your belly. Inhale. Five, hold your breath. Exhale. Four, five, hold your breath. Belly tucked in. Four, five, release the belly. Inhale. Hold your breath. Exhale. Hold your breath. I'll do one more round. Five. Inhale. Hold. Exhale. Five. Hold. Good. Release mm -hmm. the holds. Inhale to a five count and exhale to a five count. We in the seals call that 
the tactical breathing, continue to do that breathing. Mm. So that's the practice, Christine. So five minutes of that, you know, you can do the math if you don't have a watch or, or a timer. But if you're doing, you know, three breaths per minute, that's 15 cycles, essentially. Mm. Mm. And um, everybody can find five minutes in the morning when they wake up. I, I, I think it, the best time to do this is when you wake up in the morning before you reach for that iPhone. Yes, totally. Before you reach for your email machine, which is going to suck you into, yes. you know, the drama of the world and your external focus. And then it's very hard to pull back. So do this first thing in the morning and then with a journal, just reflect upon, you know, how awesome you are and how grateful you are for being alive and having this day and then ask yourself, what's the most important thing for me to do today that's going to get me closer to my target? Yes. Yes. And then go do that. <laughs> I love that. And one thing that I noticed, and I'm so glad you were coaching us through it, is um, at fir the first round, I was just breathing into my head. So mm -hmm. like so, so important to get that breath down into the belly and really Absolutely. feel that, feel that diaphragm. And I think another great thing, I talk a lot on the show about, you know, moving from our fight or flight sympathetic nervous system back mm -hmm. to calming ourselves down, our parasympathetic nervous system and breath does that so well. It does it mm -hmm. so, so, so well. And I love that this is coming from like a tough guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is coming from a Navy SEAL telling us to breathe because I think that the things that make us the strongest are often the things that are the most gentle. Because sure. they give us the inner strength. Yeah. Imagine, you know, the, the mighty oak versus the willow or the yeah. soft reed, you know, in a massive storm, right? Yeah. The oak, nice and strong, but the, the hurricane will blow it over. But yes. that reed will just pop right back up, you know, yes. and continue the fight. Yes. So it's important to have both internal and external strength. And there's often times in the seals where you, you know, you have to hand, you know, pre present the glove instead of the fist. Mm, yeah. I love that. And that's, that's inside ourselves as well. Not just right. with others. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where can people learn more about you? I know you do programs out here in North mm -hmm. County, San Diego. I know that there's a lot online. You have your podcast. I know that people are going to want more of you, Mark. So tell them everything. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Well, a lot of people, um, a good place to start is to read my books um, or one of the books. I have the two that are closely aligned with what we've talked about today is Unbeatable Mind. Unbeatable Mind is my uh, book about these internal, the internal training, the development of, you know, you as an individual. And then The Way of the Seal. That's really cool. When that, that's published by Reader's Digest, that's really about how do we develop these skills to dominate on the battlefield with our mm -hmm. team. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's a good place. And those are available at Amazon or Barnes and Noble, whatever.com. Usually online, it's easiest to buy them. Our website, I have uh, a company called seal fit S E A L F I T. That's really for warriors and athletes to develop uh, mental toughness and resiliency and to perform, you know, effectively or better, um, whatever their field of battle is. Um, and, um, and for leaders as well, actually next year will be the last year we have a, this three day leadership program that I lead, which is pretty powerful. That's all at sealfit.com. And then unbeatablemind.com is our executive coaching and, um, you know, 
online course called Unveil Mind, which is a 12 month course, which takes people through this odyssey of learning, you know, this whole process of developing warrior like focus and physical and mental toughness. And then ultimately our version of integration, which I call fifth plateau consciousness, which is like mm. a real world centric warrior where you're, you're strong, you, you know, you're a sheepdog strong and can take care of any situation in life, but you have the heart of a warrior. I right? love that. I love that. And that's what we need because to be strong with anger mm. is one of the reasons we're in so much trouble <laughs> in our world. But what's so great is that we're living in a time where spiritual warriors are coming forward. Mm -hmm. And and you are one of those, Mark. From the first moment I met you, I knew that you were a spiritual warrior. I knew that you you lead with love, but you also are grounded and rooted. And and I think it's that those strong roots that give a tree strength. Right? Absolutely. It's not it's not these big tall branches. It's it's the roots. And I know right. that you have really worked to develop those those inner roots and and the more you can, you know, extend your branches to others when you have the, those inner roots. So thank you for the work that you're right. doing. Thank, thank you, you for showing us what strength really, really looks like. And thank you so much for taking us through that exercise. Yeah, my pleasure. It's yeah. been a blast. Any, he, anything I can do for you and your community, just let me know. Thank you. Any, here to serve. any, any final, final words or, or a final, maybe a story from your Navy SEAL days of like a time <laughs> when, <laughs> a time when you were like, Oh, there I was. Yeah. Knee deep in yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So one, one quick story people really enjoy is, um, and, 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 it, and it comes back to breath control. What we just did is I, um, one of my jobs in the seals was to work at this, um, unit we call the seal delivery vehicle team, which uh, runs our little mini submarines, you know, and they're, you know, most of what they do is secret, but I can at least tell you that I used to drive these and these are small four man, uh, submarines and maybe someday women, but right now there's no women in the seals, but four man submarines are completely dark. Like everyone thinks of like the abyss where you got this window you're looking out and it's like beautiful. No, this thing is like a, a coffin, you know, driving along at 40 feet down in, in the ocean and it's freaking cold and our dives. So we'd use these, we'd launch We'd piggyback off of a, of a nuclear submarine and then we would launch somewhere like, say, off the coast of a place called North Korea or some place like that. And we would drive these things for up to um, six hours underwater and then ditch it on the, under the, you know, underwater near a beach and then go ashore and do our stuff, whatever that was, intelligence gathering or whatever. Anyways, on one of these missions, my uh, face, my, we had these wraparound face masks which were part of the system of the boat, my face mask broke and it flooded. And I was like, oh, shoot, you know, this is not good. And so I reached behind me for my backup mask and I couldn't find it. So mm. it was gone. I don't know what happened to it. And so there I was in the middle of the ocean driving this, you know, actually I was navigating and the enlisted um, SEAL was driving it. And so, uh, you know, I basically just tapped him. I said, I'm, I'm I just gave him his hand signal. He saw that I had no mask. Uh, I couldn't see anything and it's pitch black and I was useless. And so I'm thinking, oh, now what? Right. I've still got like four or five hours to go on this mission. And anyway, so I just, you know, closed my eyes and I started box breathing with my, you know, dive uh, regulator in my mouth. And um, 
And within like 20 minutes of, of starting this box breathing, I was really slowing everything down and just going into this really deep, intense meditation. I was jolted awake by kind of this feeling of boom, you know, that something we, we, we kind of settled down to the bottom. And then the, um, this other seal, the navigator was, you know, kind of punched me in the shoulder and he gives me this thumbs up and kind of, I still couldn't see anything. It was pitch dark and I didn't have my, my mask. He kind of drags me out of the SDV and, and it was then that I realized that we had reached our target. Huh. And so I had literally four hours had passed. What? Four hours had passed. And I was in this unbelievable state of like we're so this this is what I'm talking about. When you go into these these into this inner space, time is not linear anymore. It's really interesting. I had so many experiences like that in the seals where time just either radically slowed down or radically sped up the perception of time. Anyways, I'm talking about. Right. And that was one of them. And so I had put my mind into the state with a simple box breathing, but also must have been, you know, something about the intensity of the experience and the fact that I was immersed in nature that caused me to go into a completely different I don't even know how to describe it, Christine, way that the mm. mind operates, right? I mm -hmm. was not in this physical world for those four hours, like completely somewhere else. And it was the most beautiful, peaceful experience. <laughs> wow. And I was like screwing up the mission, so to speak. Right. But I, went, I well, took advantage of it. Let's put it that way. Well, and Isn't also, cool? yeah, yeah, it's so cool because I think that 99.9% .9 of people would panic in a situation like that. Right, right. And, and, and that, it, that's the testament to the Zen training. Had yeah. I, you know, had I panicked, I would have been ugly. That We would have had to abort the mission. Oh, wow. Wow. Amazing. Thank you for sharing stuff. that. Thank you for sharing that. So, yeah, the next time that you're in a freaked out situation, people, <laughs> box breathe. breathing. <laughs> breathe. Breathe. Oh, awesome. awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. You you truly live up to your last name, Divine. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on, Christine. Yeah. You rock. <laughs>